I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. What if I told you that I'm recording this podcast in my own little reading nook? As I said in the last episode, I took a closet, which actually was a crawl space that uh, goes back behind the bathroom, uh, but it's got a big enough area where you could put a whole chair, uh, three bookshelves, and some uh, nice little lamps. And uh, I could sit in here and read books, and that's where I'm recording right now for the second time. Uh, the cat comes in and sits on my lap while I read, and this just sounds idyllic. It sounds like every book lover's fantasy. Uh, I even have fairy lights up around the doorway that used to be where the closet doors are, because uh, my daughter said she wanted it. So, then this is going to be a spot I'm sure they're going to sit in and do homework during the school year. So, uh, yeah, it should be a, a perfect, relaxing uh, situation. But it's not, because the ceiling is slanted, since it's basically just the underside of the slanted roof. Um, so, it may be big enough to get a chair in, but don't stand up too quick, because you're going to smack your head on the slant. I've learned about five times now. So that makes you guys just kind of uncomfortable when I sit in my chair. I just kind of feel like there's a just a thing over me. It's just weighing down, ready to get me. And the cat coming and sitting on my lap, well, that should be adorable while you're reading. It's like something you'd see in a movie, but nope. Uh, he walks around all over everything before he finally settles down. And uh, it's going to get picked up on the mic. And everything in here is so cramped. And there's so much stuff everywhere that he keeps knocking crap over. So it just makes me tense every time he comes in. And when he does sit down, he only sits down for like a minute, and he gets up and leaves again. So, none of this is important to you. But as a man with no social life anymore, uh, this is all I ever think about. Even when I was at work, well, downstairs in the dining room at work, that uh, I thought about it. Uh, I'm going to record another episode tonight. I'm going to record it in that adorable, cute nook I have up there. I kind of miss my basement with the flies and the mice. But anyways, these aren't real things to talk about, and I have nothing interesting to say. So why don't we dive into the story uh, and uh, read another, uh, hopefully, depressing story by a Russian author, which are known for being depressing and serious. Which is what you get when I can't think of anything uh, for these weird months between summer and fall. Uh, you're just going to get depressing Russian authors. So, uh, let's run with that. Well, let's learn about this week's author. Uh, I'll tell you a secret. It's Leo Tolstoy. Uh, he's born on the 9th of, 9th of September, uh, 1828, and died uh, 20th of November, 1910. 
It's usually referred to uh, in English as Leo Tolstoy, uh, which is what I'm pronouncing it as because I looked at his full Russian name and I can already tell I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. Uh, He was a Russian writer who is regarded as one of the greatest authors of all time. He received multiple nominations for the Nobel Prize in Literature uh, every year from 1902 to 1906, so I'm sure he's pretty braggy about that, and nominations for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1901, 02, and 1910. And the fact that he uh, never won is a major Nobel Prize controversy. So with that, uh, let's dive into the story that he wrote called God Sees the Truth, Uh, but he waits. God Sees the Truth, but Waits by Leo and Tolstoy. In the town of Vladimir uh, lived a young merchant named Ivan Dmitrich Askinov. Ugh, probably butchered that. Uh, He had two shops uh, and a house of his own. Mm -hmm. Askinov uh, was a handsome, fair-haired, curly-headed fellow, uh, full of fun uh, and very fond of singing. When uh, quite a young man, he had been given to drink and was riotous when he had had too much. But after he uh, married, he gave up drinking, uh, except now and then. One summer, Askinov uh, was going to the Nizhny Fair. And he bade goodbye to his family. His wife said to him, uh, Ivan Dmitrich, uh, do not start today. I have had a bad dream about you. Uh, Asganov laughed and said, eh, You're afraid that when I get to the fair, I shall go on a spree. Uh, his wife replied, eh, I do not know what I'm afraid of. All I know is that I've had a bad dream. I dreamt you returned from the town, and when you took off your cap, I saw that your hair was quite gray. Askinoff laughed. That's a lucky sign, uh, he said. Uh, See if I don't sell out all my goods and bring you some presents from the fair. So he said goodbye to his family and uh, drove away. When he had traveled halfway, he met a merchant whom he knew, and they put up at the same inn for the night. They had some tea together uh, and then went to bed in adjoining rooms. It was not Askinov's habit to sleep late, and wishing to travel while it was still cool, he roused his driver before dawn and told him uh, to put in the horses. Then he made his way uh, across the landlord of the inn, uh, who lived at a cottage at the back, and paid his bill uh, and continued his journey. When he got about, uh, oh, 25 miles, he stopped for the horses to be fed. Askinov rested a while in the passage of the inn and... Then he stepped out in the porch and, and ordering a samovar to be heated, he got out his guitar and, oh, began to play. Suddenly a troika drove up with tinkling bells, ah, an official alighted, uh, followed by two soldiers. He came to Askinov and began to question him, asking him who he was and whence he came. Askinov answered him fully and said, Eh, uh, won't, won't you have some tea with me? But the official went on cross-questioning him and asking him, "Eh, Where'd you spend the night last night? Eh, Were you alone or with a fellow merchant? Eh, Did you see the other merchant this morning? Eh, Why'd you leave the inns before dawn? Askinoff wondered why he was asked all these questions, but he described all that had happened and then added, "Eh, Why'd you cross-question me eh, if I were a thief or a robber? I'm a traveling on business of my own, and there's no need to question me. Oh, then the official, calling the soldier, said, 
I am the police officer of this district, and I question you because the merchant with whom you spent last night has been found with his throat cut. Oh, we must search your things. They entered the house. Ah, the soldiers and the police officer unstrapped Askinov's luggage and searched it. Suddenly, the officer drew a knife out of the bag, crying, uh, Whose knife is this? Askinov looked. Seeing a blood-stained knife taken from his bag, he was frightened. How is it uh, that there is blood on this knife? Askinov tried to answer, but could hardly utter a word, and only stammered, I, I don't know, it's not mine. Then the police officer said, uh, This morning, the merchant was found in bed with his throat cut. You are the only person who could have done it. The house was locked from the inside, and no one else was there. Here is this blood-stained knife in your bag, uh, in your face, a man to betray you. Tell me how you killed him, and how much money you stole. Asgunov swore he had not done it, and that he had not seen the merchant after they had tea together, and that he had no money except for 8,000 rubles of his own, and that the knife was not his. But his voice was broken, oh, his face was pale, and he trembled with fear as though he went guilty. The police officer ordered the soldiers to bind Asgunov and put him in the cart. As they started his feet together and flung him into the cart, Askinov crossed himself and wept. His money and goods were taken from him, and he was sent to the nearest town and imprisoned there. Inquiries uh, as to his character were made in Vladimir. Uh, the merchants and other inhabitants of that town uh, said that in former days he used to drink and waste his time, uh, that he was a good man. Then the trial came on. Uh, he was charged with murdering a merchant from Ryzan, Ryazan, uh, and robbing him of 20,000 rubles. Oh, his wife was in despair and didn't know what to believe. Uh, her children were all quite small. Uh, one was a baby at her breast. Taking them all with her, and she went down to the town where her husband was in jail. At first, she was not allowed to see him. Uh, but after much begging, uh, she obtained permission from the officials. It was taken to him when she saw her husband in prison dress and in the chain shut up with the thieves and criminals as she fell down and did not come to her senses for a long time. Then she drew her children to her and sat down near him. She told him of things at home and asked about what happened to him. Oh, he told her all. And she asked, uh, uh, what, uh, what can we do now? Uh, we must partition the czar not to let an innocent man perish. His wife told him, and he went and set a position to the czar, and it had not been accepted. Askinoff did not reply, but only looked downcast. Then his wife said, eh, It's not for nothing. I dreamt your hair had turned gray. Uh, you, you remember? You should not have started that day. And passing her fingers through her hair, she said, Vana, dearest, tell your wife the truth. Was it not you who did it? Oh, so you suspect me, said Askinov, and hiding his face in his hands, he began to weep. Then a soldier came by uh, to say that his wife and children must uh, go away, and Askinov said goodbye to his family for the last time. Oh, there goes my cat destroying something. When they were gone, Askinov recalled uh, what had been said. And when he remembered that his wife also had suspected him, he said to himself, It seems uh, that only God uh, can know the truth. It is to him alone uh, that we must appeal, and from him alone expect mercy. And Askinov wrote no more petitions, uh, gave up all hope, and only prayed to God. Askinov was condemned uh, to be flogged and sent to the mines, so he was uh, flogged 
uh, with a knot. And when the wounds uh, made by the knot were healed, he was driven to Siberia with other convicts. For 26 years, Askinov lived as a convict in Siberia. Uh, his hair turned white as snow, and his beard grew long and thin and gray. Oh, all his mirth went. He stooped. Uh, he walked slowly and spoke little. Oh, and never laughed, but he often prayed. In prison, Askinoff learned to make boots and earned a little money uh, with which he bought uh, The Lives of the Saints. He read this book when there was a light enough in the prison, and on Sundays in the prison church he read the lessons and sang in the choir, for his voice was still good. The prison authorities liked Askinoff for his meekness, and his fellow prisoners respected him. They called him Grandfather and the Saint. When they wanted to petition the prison authorities about anything, they always made Askinoff their spokesman. And when there were quarrels among the prisoners, they came to him to put things right and to uh, judge the matter. No news reached Askinoff from his home, and he did not even know if his wife and children were still alive. Weird that you come to the conclusion that they're dead, just because they're not talking to you anymore. One day, a fresh gang of convicts came to the prison. In the evening, the old prisoners collected round the new ones and uh, asked them what towns or villages they came from and, and what they were sentenced for. Among the rest, Askinoff sat down near the newcomers and listened with downcast air to what they said. One of the new convicts? Oh, a tall, strong man of sixty. Sixty? With a closely cropped gray beard, was telling the others uh, what he had been arrested for. Well, friends, he said, I only took a horse that was tied to a sledge, and I was arrested and accused of stealing. Uh, I said I had only taken it to get home quicker and had then let it go. Besides, the driver was a personal friend of mine. So I said, uh, it's all right. No, said they, you stole it. Yeah, but how or where I stole it, they could not say. I once really did something wrong and ought by rights to have come here long ago. By that time, I was not found out. Now, I've been sent here for uh, nothing at all. Eh, but it all is lies, I'm telling you. I've been to Siberia before, but I did not uh, stay long. Uh, where, where are you from? Asked someone. From Vladimir. My family are of that town. My name is Makar. Oh my god, stop. Cut it out. You're ruining the show. You're ruining the show. <sighs> and they also call me Semyonich. Semyonich. We're going to Semyonich. Whatever my mouth mumbles is officially the names of these characters. Askinov raised his head and said, Tell me, Semyonich. Do you know anything of the merchants Askinov and Vladimir? Oh, of Vladimir. Are they still alive? Know them? Oh, of course I do. The Askinovs are rich, though their father is in Siberia, a sinner like ourselves, it seems. As for you, Granddad, uh, how'd you come here? Askinov did not like to speak of his misfortune. He only sighed and said, For my sins, I have been in prison these uh, 26 years. Uh, what sins? Asked Makar Semyovich. But uh, Askinov only said, Well, well, I must have deserved it. He would have said no more, but his companions told the newcomers how Askinov came to be in Siberia, how someone had killed a merchant and put the knife among Askinov's things, and Askinov had been unjustly condemned. Oh, when Makar Semyovich heard this, 
He looked at Askinoff, slapped his own knee in italics, and exclaimed, Well, this is wonderful, really wonderful. But how old you've grown, Granddad? The others asked him why he was uh, so surprised and where he had seen Askinoff before, but Makar Makar Samuvich did not reply. He only said, It's wonderful that we should meet here, lads. These words made Askinoff wonder whether this man knew who had killed the merchant, so he said, uh, Perhaps, Semyovich, you have heard of that affair, or maybe you've seen me before. How could I help hearing? The world's full of rumors, but it's, uh, it's a long time ago, and I forgot what I heard. Perhaps you heard who killed the merchant? Uh, asked Askinov. I'm butchering these names. Makar Semyovich laughed and replied, It must have been him in whose bag the knife was found. If someone else uh, hid the knife there, uh, he's not a thief till he's caught, as the saying is. How could anyone put a knife into your bag while it's under your head? It would surely have woke you up. So I guess that's the giveaway. Uh, this man knows that it was under his head. When Askinov heard these words, he felt sure this was the man who had killed the merchant. He rose and went away. All that night, Askinov lay awake. Oh, he felt terribly unhappy. And all sorts of images rose in his mind. There was the image of his wife, uh, as she was when he parted from her to go to the fair. Uh, he saw her as if uh, she were present. Her face and her eyes rose before him. He heard her speak. Oh, it heard her laugh. Uh, and then he saw his children, uh, quite little as they were at one time, uh, with a little cloak on, uh, another at his mother's breast. Really going with that mother's breast thing. And then he remembered himself as he used to be. Young. Merry. Oh, he remembered how he sat playing the guitar on the porch of the inn where he was arrested and how free from care he had been. He saw in his mind a place where he was flogged. Oh, the executioner and the people standing around. Oh, the chains, the convicts, all the 26 years of his prison life and his premature old age. The thought of it all made him so wretched that he was ready to kill himself. And it's all that villain's doing, thought Askinov, and his anger was so great against Makar Samuevich that he longed for vengeance, even if he himself uh, should perish for it. Oh, he kept repeating prayers all night, but he could get no peace. Uh, during the day, he did not go near Makar Semyovich, uh, not even to look at him. A fortnight passed in this way, and Askinov could not sleep at night. Oh, he was so miserable that he didn't know what to do. One night, as he was walking about the prison, uh, he noticed uh, some earth that came rolling out from under one of the shelves uh, on which the prisoner slept. He stopped uh, to see what it was. Suddenly, Makar Semyovich crept out from under the shelf. He looked up at Askinov with frightened face. Askinov tried to pass without looking at him, but Makar seized his hand and told him that he dug a hole under the wall, getting rid of the earth by putting it into his, uh, into his high boots and emptying it out every day on the road uh, when the prisoners were driven to their work. Just you keep quiet, old man, and you shall get out too. If you blab, they'll flog the life out of me, but I will kill you first. Askinoff, oh, trembled with anger as he looked at his enemy. He drew his hand away, saying, I have no wish to escape, and you have no need to kill me. You killed me long ago. As to telling of you, I may do so or not, as God shall direct. Next day, 
When the convicts were led out to work, the convoy soldiers noticed that one or other of the prisoners emptied some of the earth out of his boots, and the prison was searched, and the tunnel found, and the governor came and questioned all the prisoners to find out who had uh, dug the hole. They all denied any knowledge of it. Those who knew would not betray Makar Semyovich, knowing he would be flogged uh, almost to death. As the last governor turned to Askinoff, whom he knew to be a just man, he said, uh, You, our truthful old man, uh, tell me, uh, before God, uh, who dug the hole? Makar Semyovich stood as if he were quite unconcerned, looking at the governor and not so much as glancing at Askinoff. Askinoff's lips and hands trembled, and for a long time he could not utter a word. Uh, he thought, uh, why should I screen him? Uh, who ruined my life. Let him pay for what I have suffered. Uh, but if I tell, they'll probably flog the life out of him. And maybe I suspect him wrongly. Eh, eh, and after all, what good would it be to me? Well, old man, repeated the governor, tell me the truth. Uh, who's been digging under the wall? Askinoff glanced at Makar Semyovich and said, I cannot say, your honor, it is not God's will that I should tell. Do what you like with me. Oh, I'm in your hands. However much of the government tried, Askinoff would say no more, and the matter had to be left. That night, when Askinoff was lying on his bed, uh, just beginning to doze, someone came quietly and sat down on his bed. How free are you to move around in this prison? He peered through the darkness and recognized Makar. What more do you want of me? asked Askinoff. Why have you come here? Makar Semyovich was silent. So Askinoff sat up and said, What do you want? Uh, go away, or I'll call the guard. Makar Semyovich bent close over Askinoff and whispered, Ivan Dmitrich, forgive me. Yeah, what for? asked Askinoff. It was I who killed the merchant and hid the knife among your, th- uh, your things. Uh, I meant to kill you too, uh, but I heard a noise outside. So I hid the knife in your bag and escaped out of the window. Oh, Askinoff was silent. He didn't know what to say. Makar Semyovich slid off to the bed shelf and knelt on the ground. Ivan Dmitrich... Uh, said he, forgive me, uh, for the love of God, uh, forgive me. I will confess that it was I who killed the merchant, and you'll be released, and you can go to your home. Oh, it's easy for you to talk, said Askinoff, but I've suffered uh, for you these 26 years. Where can I go now? And uh, My wife's dead. Why does he keep assuming that? And my children have forgotten me. Uh, I got nowhere to go. Makar Semyovich did not rise, but beat his head on the floor. Ivan Dmitrich, forgive me, he cried. When they flogged me with a nod, it was not so hard to bear, as, uh, as I see it is to you now. You, you've had pity on me, and, uh, did not, and did not tell. For Christ's sake, forgive me. Wretched that I am, and he began to sob. When Askinov heard him sobbing, he too began to weep. Uh, God will forgive you, said he. Maybe I'm a hundred times worse than you. And at these words, his heart grew light, and the longing for home left him. He no longer had uh, any desire to leave the prison, but only hoped for his last hour to come. In spite of what Askinov had said, Makar Semyovich confessed his guilt, uh, but when the order for his release came, Askinov was already dead. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Wow, what do we learn here today? That uh, as soon as you start to think that the Russian author 
whose short story you picked, is only kind of depressing, but it's probably going to have an upbeat, uplifting uh, ending. Uh, well, he doesn't let you down. Just kind of threw in within the last sentence, the last five words of the story, uh, but he's already dead. So <laughs> there's that. So as jarring as that was, uh, what did we learn? Uh, besides, you know, Russian authors will never let you down. Uh, we learned that, uh, I guess everything's pointless. You can be accused of a crime when you're innocent. You can serve 20 years and for some reason just keep assuming that your family's dead because they're not talking to you anymore. And then, uh, uh, and when you can hope for freedom, but there's no point because you'll probably just be dead anyways. Everything's pointless. Eh, I guess kind of like my nook, now that I think about it. I've created this beautiful little warm womb to sit in and uh, do my little crafts, uh, read, and that kind of thing. And uh, I'm not happy here. I'm uncomfortable. So I guess uh, everything's pointless. There is no joy in the world. That's a great message. I told you that this uh, next month or so was going to be pretty depressing because I'm just going to read more of this stuff. I got a whole book from Gutenberg called uh, Best Russian Stories. And by best, I'm sure it means uh, soul-crushing. So with that, thanks for listening, and I will uh, see you soon. Or, uh, hold on. Until I come up with some sort of uh, canned kind of ending, uh, I feel like I should tell you that if you ever want to See other stories I've read uh, that you want to hear me read, which is weird that you'd want to. Uh, but maybe there's, I don't know, fetishists out there that want that. Uh, go to nuzzlehouse.com where you can see a list of everything I've ever read. You click on it, you can listen to it uh, right there in your little web browser. And uh, you can also see what Ben and I have reviewed for the Book Boys thing. Um, I don't know why we made the site, but suddenly I feel like we should probably be mentioning it. Uh, there's my link is on there for emails. So you can always uh, email us if you ever want to for any weird reason. That's it. That felt weird to say. Suddenly I feel like I'm like every other self-promotional podcast. Pretty soon I'll be doing ads for me undies. Or if you ever listened to the Daily Zeitgeist, they're doing Honda commercials now. Where they're doing personal testimonials for Honda commercials. It's just disturbing. Anyways, okay, that's enough of that. Uh, Thanks for listening.